Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, it's quite the surprise for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Lord of the Rings has quite the price tag. And one in the world is Epic's Metaverse. All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the pop culture cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He's our own master crafter of Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today at PopCultureCosmos.com. Everything that he does for Humanica Media. Also as well, his great shows, Topicocalypse, the Super BS Gamescast, and of course, his awesome book as well, Congratulations, You Suck, which you can get at Barnes & Noble. And of course, that big Amazon thing going on there. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? What is going on? Just uh, another day here in paradise, as we always say. Yes. Good to have you back, man. Good to have you back. Of course. Of course. How you been doing? Uh, good, man. I mean, besides some lower back pain, I think I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm alive. I'm breathing. You know, there's a lot of pop culture stuff going on. So I have that to be grateful for. Caught Jorn Marcus's conversation about NFTs the other day. That was a pretty good summary of what that is. I didn't know what those were. I just kept hearing that term over and over again. So doing pretty solid, man. Well, thank you so much for that. I hope everybody get a chance to check out that episode, the PC Multiverse. It's kind of like a... A little bit of an instructional thing because I was not familiar with it like you were a couple months ago when I interviewed Vince Atulu from That Sports Card Show podcast. And he said, you need to check out NFTs. And I said, why? Because that's the future of collecting. And sure enough, I delve into it hardcore. I've looked into it quite a bit. And it's a great explainer for what NFTs is, which is the future of collectibles. Plus, you know, it gets into crypto coin a little bit and things of that nature that Marcus invests in and is a kind of a bit of an expert on himself. So it was a great conversation along with all the other great stuff there. So I hope everybody gets a chance to check that episode out as well. But we've got our own great episode because we're going to be talking Falcon and Winter Soldier episode five, which just dropped off. There's only one show left in the series, which I'm kind of disappointed for, unless they do a season two, which... 
they've talked about, but they haven't confirmed that will be happening yet. So episode five, we're going to be reviewing on today's program. So there will be plenty of spoilers. So if you haven't watched it, put us on pause and then go ahead and hit play after you check out the episode. Plus also as well, we're going to be talking about Lord of the Rings. One of our favorite subjects always to talk about when it's relevant. And two things within the world of the Lord of the Rings came as far as news is concerned. So we'll talk about that coming up in the show. Epic has its metaverse. What is it? And why is it so valuable? We'll talk about that coming up later in the program as well. Resident Evil, they had a kind of a thing where they talked about all the stuff that they're doing for Resident Evil Village, a multiplayer, something to do with Netflix as well. And we're going to go ahead and mention that on the back end of the show. But Josh, I know that there's a lot to talk about as far as rumors are concerned. So I know you wanted to bring that up. So let's take a stroll down to Rumorville. As you know, Rumorville is one of my favorite places. Have a timeshare there. Currently building a house. Just Beachfront uh, property. Yep, I just sit there and I rumor watch, you know, that's what I like to do. So, okay, Falcon and Winter Soldier, right? Ever since Madripoor showed up, everybody's been wondering when the X-Men are going to show up, right? We thought that that was going to happen in WandaVision. It seems like in every series, there is a subtle tie, subtle nod to the X-Men, right? And everyone thinks like, oh, this is it. This is it. And it never happens, right? WandaVision was just them really just messing with us. And then this one is the first like physical evidence that the X-Men universe exists, you know, in the form of Madripoor. So there was a leak and, you know, this is on inverse.com is on comicbooks.com, And I think it was on screen rant kind of have the same reports here that somebody, a quote unquote reliable source has said that Kevin Feige is currently developing four projects in the realm of Wolverine. So with the new Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, they're ready to open up the multiverse. We talk about, you know, if you paid attention on Friday, I don't know if we'll talk about this later, but Alfred Molina talking about how he's playing the same version of himself. Um, Yeah, we were going to mention that. Okay, so we'll get to that in a little bit. But the multiverse is opening up, right? And I think it's officially starting with, I think Spider-Man comes out before Doctor Strange, right? Spider-Man does come out before Doctor Strange, yes. Because Spider-Man is opening before the end of the year. It is determined to go ahead for Christmas. Okay. Uh, the setting takes place during the winter. So there is a Christmas tie into that. So it is coming out this Christmas. If you watch the first Doctor Strange movies, all these mentions of the multiverse, right? They talk about the different universes, multiverse, dark dimension, and then multiverse of madness is coming out. But then also in the last Spider-Man movie, they talked about how Jake Gyllenhaal is from a multiverse, even though he wasn't, he was just, you know, kind of messing with them. But uh, that being said, we have, the multiverse, right? So now these rumors are stating that Kevin Feige is, is currently in pre-production for four Wolverine series. So two of these Wolverine series are going to be anthology series to kind of explore the origins. And I guess they'd be done in the form of like a Disney Plus show in the same vein as like Falcon and Winter Soldier. One would be the Weapon X story. And then the other one, they had they weren't really specifying what the other one was, but they know for sure one of them is supposed to adapt the Weapon X arc. And then that will take place in the in the mainline MCU. And that's supposed to uh, capture like a younger Wolverine, younger Logan. The other two allegedly in production here, one of them, it's supposed to have Hugh Jackman taking on the Hulk in one of them. And then another one having Hugh Jackman team up with the Avengers. So 
Hugh Jackman had said in an interview, he said he had spoke to Kevin Feige and said he would be interested in, after seeing like what's been going on with the Mar- MCU, he's been saying, I might be interested under one condition. You cannot undo my death in Logan. So allegedly, this would be another version of Hugh Jackman's Wolverine from a different part of the multiverse. So these are the rumors. Take them with a grain of salt. Take them for what, what they are. But I personally think that that would be really cool to see Hugh Jackman in a movie with Mark Ruffalo. Like, that would be cool because that's one of the, like, best comic book arcs out there, especially if you've ever read, you know, old, any of the ultimate comic book arcs where he's fighting, where Wolverine fights the Hulk. Like, it is a really cool. So that would be something that I'm definitely interested in. I don't care what they do with Wolverine at this point, as long as they're true to his origins. But it feels like it'd be just a dying shame to not have Hugh Jackman be in at least one MCU film. I agree with you on that. But, you know, with all those rumors, I mean, a lot of those sites that you're talking about, that's how they get people. And that's how they suck people in on those sites. It's all about rumors. The grain of salt. I'm also taking it and pinching it all over the place because I don't know until I see Hugh Jackman walk across the screen in a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, I'm not expecting it. I mean, because he he's my age. Time is running out, and he does not like to go ahead and the workout regime that requires you to, to bulk up for the Wolverine role. I mean, he's done it so many times now. It's I'm assuming it's, it gets more difficult as time passes on. So for him to go ahead and do that one more time, I would be ecstatic for, but I'm not expecting it. Yeah, but I mean, you know, the with de-aging technology and like a stunt doubles, I'm sure they could do something. But yeah, I'm not like saying I'm not counting on it happening, but it just sounds like it would be pretty cool. You know, and this is something that especially when the MCU is kind of at a low point right now, like it would be great to have an Avengers centric film with Hugh Jackman in it to bring people back to the movie theaters. I want to touch on something you said. You're saying that the MCU is at a low point. I kind of disagree. I mean, we've seen the tremendous response to WandaVision and also the internet is just hinging on everything that's happening in Falcon and Winter Soldier. Is it truly at a low point? No, I'm not. So I'm not talking about like, you know, as far as like fandom goes, but I'm talking about from a narrative standpoint. Okay, well, yeah, there's a slow ramp up. Yeah, there's nothing exciting happening right now. And then this is, you know, we're trying to get people back into theater. So this could be like the perfect opportunity to like, create something that gets people stoked going into you know 2022 or 2023 again i don't see him coming anytime soon onto the screen but i'm hoping that that will happen at some point in time it's all about if he wants to go ahead and do the necessary work to put in to make it a believable wolverine yeah yeah because that's a lot of work for for anyone to go ahead and go through that i mean to do it in the do it in its 50s you're asking quite a bit. I mean, as someone who is in his 50s, I, I definitely know how hard that could be. But yeah. well, hopefully I am proven wrong and you are proven right with the trip down the Rumorville. And we will one day see Wolverine, a major force in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm assuming it will happen. I think it will be with another actor. But what are your thoughts out there on the Wolverine? Are you excited about Josh's rumors about where the Wolverine might enter into the MCU? And how many times and in how many ways? Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. For the latest news and information, 
analysis, and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break Podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. All right, my friend. Well, I'll tell you what. It's been a a great time talking Falcon Winter Soldier. And I know talking about Marvel for you sometimes is like, okay, it gets easily burned. I know it's such a major part of pop culture, but you got to admit, episode five, which it, it always seems to have a way each and every week to keep everybody talking, to keep everybody interested, to keep everybody going. And this week was no different. And I'll tell you what, my friend, it was very interesting to see. I want to ask you right now, there was a major debut, and we're going to spoilers now. We're heading into Spoilerville. We went from Rumorville to Spoilerville because there was a major debut in Falcon Winter Soldier. And we'll talk about all the the deep narrative and things that they were talking about during the course of the episode here in a minute. But there was a debut during this week's episode. And I want to ask you this. It was Julia Louise Dreyfus, the award-winning actress from Seinfeld that everybody knows and everybody cares for and everybody has thought so dear. She did such a great performance for all those years as Elaine. She joins the cast. She joins the show after a military, I don't say tribunal or just basically where John Walker has to go ahead and fess up to his actions and stand up and for his actions and he is given a discharge by the military and right after discharge. Did they was it dishonorable? I thought it was it was without any type of denotation on it. He just wasn't gonna get any rank or wasn't gonna get any they had said it was like without honor or something like that. So I just assumed it was a dishonorable. Okay, discharge. yeah, I guess you could say dishonorable discharge. So he gets a dishonorable discharge. And he's sitting outside the courtroom after this devastating verdict that's been handed to him. And lo and behold, Julia Louise Dreyfus as Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine stops by. She drops the word to him that she knows everything. She knows that he took the super serum. She knows about what happened to Battlestar. She knows why he did what he did in killing that member of the Flag Smashers. But she says, you know what? Wait for my call and you'll find a new reason to go ahead and become whole once again. And I don't know, man. I'm on the fence on it. I mean, I'm thinking she's got some villainous evil things going on. And right now, I think when it comes to what's being talked about in the MCU, I want to hear your thoughts first off on her portraying that type of possible villain. And I hear rumors as well, speaking rumors that she might be involved in Black Widow in some form or fashion, and that she could be a major villain going forward. But who is the bigger villain right now? Her or Alfred Molina spilling the beans on Spider-Man 3? I know. We could tell everyone we can stop talking about Tom Holland spoiling things for a while. Alfred Molina dropped a big one, didn't he? Yes, yes. For Alfred Molina, he, yeah, just uh, for Spider-Man 3, dropped a lot of secrets on what his character will be doing during the course of Spider-Man 3. The fact he's going to be de-aged, because we mentioned de-aged earlier in the show, and I'm sure Marvel's not having a pleasant conversation with him right now. That was intense. He kind of just confirmed what we already knew, though, right? Like, he's playing Doc Ock, just like he did in Spider-Man 2, the same one. So, you know, all the rumors of multiverse are coming true. He also confirmed that Jamie Foxx, not confirmed, but there was Jamie Foxx, I think, confirmed this himself, that he was playing Electro, but just yes. of a different color. And then 
Charlie Cox is going to be a legend. I'm curious about the Charlie Cox thing. If he's going to be like in a, he's the movie. only one keeping his 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 mouth, know, his, yeah, the lip zipped. But uh, I'm just curious if he's going to play like the Defenders actually takes place in the MCU, or if something ripped open in the multiverse and Charlie Cox shows up. But you know, there's also rumors back to Rumor Street that Green Goblin or uh, William Defoe's Green Goblin is going to show up at some. That point. has been oh. mentioned. We'll see. I mean, he's still very much an active actor out there. So definitely Mm -hmm. that could be something in play. But getting back to the episode five itself, after a initial fight between John Walker's Captain America and Bucky and Falcon over the shield, which eventually Falcon and Bucky won, it turned to more of a setup for what's coming up in the future, plus also a reminder of what's happened in the past as far as Isaiah Bradley's character and the thought and the weight of what Falcon may or may not do as far as taking up the mantle as a black Captain America and how powerful a message that was and goes into Isaiah Bradley's backstory, I mean, which was so deep and which was so important, which was so moving and so touching to me and so important to the past and what could be the future of what the MCU could be as far as just how we treat each other better and how we deal with us better, because it's a reminder of of such a dark past for not only our history, but also the MCU as well. So I want to hear your thoughts before I get back into Julia Louise Dreyfus, because I've got some questions there, but I want to hear your thoughts on the episode as well. How did it flow for you? I know some people say it slowed down the pace because it was more of a setup. They thought it was going to be more action oriented. Uh, they were kind of a little bit disappointed. I thought it was okay. I thought it was it was pretty good in setting up what's coming up for the future for a, a final battle because at the very end that they did that. But I want to hear your thoughts on episode five because I think it really was a moving, inspirational, and very educational episode for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, uh, you know, I have mixed feelings about this. Like, I love the way that it did start out strong. Love seeing John Walker's, like, slow descent into madness. Because he eventually becomes, like, a Punisher-type character, but with Super Soldier Serum. You know, we start to see that in the end of the episode as he's making his own shield. You know, the introduction of Julie Louise Dreyfus's character. You know, bringing Seinfeld into the MCU is cool. I'm just kidding. They're not doing that. <laughs> I can see Michael Richards being somewhere. Ah! <laughs> you know, just, yeah. Okay. So I know like there's rumors floating around, right. That a lot of people like left the show after this, it was a second episode, right. Where they, the cops showed up and all that stuff to me, like I, I thought, you know, movie films like black Panther, like they did a good job of equipping the social message to the film itself. So in this one, they kind of really like slowed the pacing down and almost like removed you from the story to deliver their social message. And like, I don't have an issue with it, but I can see why people would feel like it slowed down too much. You know, that the whole thing with Isaiah Bradley, like it was emotional and packed a punch. It just, I don't know, it slowed the narrative down. A Plus little also bit. there was a lot of bonding as far as fixing the boat between Bucky yeah. and Falcon. That may have slowed it down even more. That's yeah, yeah. I mean, I the things and the notes and the, and hearing the backstory of Isaiah Bradley and how it's being portrayed in the MCU. That to me was fascinating, and obviously, what we can take with that and become better moving forward, and how Falcon is going to deal with it. That is going to be something that I can't wait to see. But the bonding between Falcon and Winter Soldier. I don't think I really needed to see that much of it because the fact that they were already starting to bond over their fight with K 
Captain America and John Walker for the shield and stuff. I thought there was already a bond already that had started there. I didn't think I needed reinforced over helping fix that boat in Falcon's home port with his sister and all that. To me, like, I think that kind of, you know, as speaking to their their social message, like, I think that that kind of helped strengthen that message a little bit, right? Showing that, like, communities can come together. People of different races can come together and work for the same goal. Of you know, course. It was a long part, yeah. And, you know, is that lethal weapon, you know, type scene that everyone kept saying was, it's going to be here eventually. And that, I think that was kind of it. I don't mind seeing it at all. I just said yeah. I don't, I thought it might have there, touched on it. Mm-hmm. too long it might have no, stayed I, too long yeah i agree and like there is a lot like you know the the isaiah jones part the part on the boat like there's there's a lot of things that like because you expect especially like with wandavision how it just went up 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 like a roller coaster and then this one kind of went up 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 down 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 and then i assume it's going to go start going up 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 again but yeah there was it was definitely had some stuff that was pretty slow what i did like though so you know the isaiah jones part kind of pulls you out isaiah bradley i'm sorry kind of pulls you out a little bit and then you you see this like this old bitter man who thinks that the shield to him the shield just represents oppression i was like well okay well where is this going and then you see that scene where bucky's on the couch right in sam's sister's house i guess and he wakes up and to those kids like the shield is a symbol of like heroism to them so i mean like they did a good job of showing that like the shield means different things to different people you know it's like to, to well, people, I mean, they said it today. It's complicated. Uh, it's as, complicated. Uh, yeah. yeah. To some people, it signals oppression, you know, like Isaiah. And then to these kids, it's a symbol of heroism. And then they have that scene where Sam picks up the shield and says that, you know, they, he, or he has that conversation with Bucky and he basically realizes that the shield is now can become what I make it out to be, you know, like now that I'm, conversation I enjoyed between those two at near the end where they, they come clear. Bucky clears his conscience about everything that's going on and why the shield is so important to him. And Falcon also expresses why the shield is so important himself. That scene is very pivotal for them Mm -hmm. bonding. I appreciated that a lot more than just spending so much time repairing the boat. But again, I get why they were repairing the boat because it is a bonding bigger message in regards to unity, which should be embraced. So, but that conversation I think is the key to the entire series. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I know that that was kind of the message they've been trying to deliver with this series, right? Like we all have the ability to shape our future going forward, but our future is going to be what we make it out to be, you know, like instead of people of all races, right, hang on to things from the past, you know, if we're not willing to set the past aside and move forward in a way where, you know, we can work in unison with each other, like it's going to be a pretty dark future. And I think that that and maybe I misread what they're trying to say but i feel like that was kind of a a good message for them to send across you know like the director the guy who he was the guy who wrote and directed empire had said because he's the director of this show and he had said after the first episode had premiered that like you know there's obviously there's going to be a social message in it but like marvel fans are pretty good at like going along on that ride if it's done tastefully and i think so far they've done things pretty tastefully and in a way that doesn't really isolate anybody Absolutely. So it's very impressive. It didn't hit the highs as some of the previous episodes, but still, it's a very strong episode with an even stronger message that I hope everybody embraces and everybody understands. Again, the pacing, I think, is probably what's going to get people because they slowed it way down, coming to a screeching halt. 
I'm looking for it, like you said, to ramp up again in this next episode because the Flag Smasher is about ready to go ahead and wreak havoc along with Batrock, who's looking for revenge on Falcon. So that was kind of interesting. And with Batrock, before I get into Julian Lee's Dreyfus and close out that conversation, with Batrock being reintroduced, he got released by Sharon Carter and is now working with the Flag Smashers. Yeah, okay. So, so I want to know about this because it certainly hints that I know a lot of people have talked about Julia Louis Dreyfus as the power broker, but funny how Sharon Carter lets him that, out. That okay, so that's something I've been like talking up a lot. Like I believe that Sharon Carter is the power broker. You know, she's been in the right place at the right time always, and she's always got these like secret phone calls going on with people. And has access to satellites from Madripoor and all that. Mm hmm. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. 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 So very interesting how that works out. But she knows what Batrock would do if she got him released, and she did. So he, I, I think that's a very telling sign there. Although I, I know a lot of people still think that Julia Louise Dreyfus' character is the power broker. I'm kind of leaning towards Sharon Carter myself and have for a couple episodes now. But before we head on out, I do want to touch on Julia Louise Dreyfus one last time and her character. And the way she was introduced and the way she came in, she came in very Elaine-like, I would probably say, yeah. have to say. And I don't know if that's exactly the best fit. I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence. I'm not sure yes, and I'm not sure no. It kind of seemed different because you wanted, ever since the buddy cop dialogue between Falcon and Winter Soldier kind of died down by episode three, I noticed there was a tonal shift getting more serious, getting more dark, and getting more pointed with a great deal of its tone. And she comes in here with a five-minute thing. She's only in the show for, for that amount of time, but it was an odd fit. Was it for you? I don't know. Am I wrong on that? I don't know, because it just really um, seemed like it was an odd fit for me. I, I would have liked someone else maybe in the role to maybe fit better to match that tone. It just She comes in, does her shtick, but the problem is she comes in and does her shtick at maybe not the best time. Yeah, I don't know. It was, it was a weird thing because we knew that we that wasn't going to be the last we saw of John Walker. No. For those of you that don't know, in the comic books, she is a villain named Lady Hydra. And before being recruited, Madam Hydra, Madam Hydra, and before being recruited by Hydra, she dates Nick Fury. Right, her and Nick Fury are lovers for a while, and but so, she also works with the Russians as a spy. Yeah. She's like Black Widow, but she's menacing and evil, whereas Black Widow, like can also be menacing and evil but she has a conscience whereas like this lady will you you can't trust her with anything and so i mean it just seems very fitting that she would be part of the u.s government or is but, she or or is she yeah we don't know but yeah i don't know where it's leading they kind of set that up and nearly mentioned anything if they had ended the show or did a post-credit scene with her like calling him that would have made more sense to me but yeah, they just kind of like throw this out there and say, hey, this is happening and then don't talk about it again. And it seems kind of weird if she's going to be a major player to introduce her one episode before the show ends. Yeah, but I know, again, there's rumors that she might appear in Black Widow. Is she going to help Thunderbolt Ross in the formation of the Thunderbolts? That's something that we needed to talk about as well, because Baron Zemo was arrested Winter Soldier caught up with him at the at near the end of the episode that Winter yeah. Soldier caught up with him 
Baron Zemo didn't try to resist, knew his time was up, and instead of killing him, Winter Soldier, Baron Zemo was taken away by the Dora Milaje from Black Panther in a very fitting end. And although it's kind of weird, though, the Dora Milaje are going to take him to the raft. And does that seem odd to you? Because the Dora Milaje, wouldn't they take him back to Wakanda? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like we haven't seen the end of Baron Zemo. But... No, we haven't seen. I mean, obviously, with the Thunderbolts, if that's on the horizon, he'll play a major part in that. But yeah, it just seems like out of place that the Dora Milaje would take him to the raft instead of Wakanda. Yeah, I, it was kind of out of place to have them there in the first place. But, you know, I think they wanted that so that they can kind of give a little more backstory on Bucky. It made sense for what they're trying to do with it. Yeah. Yeah, the raft is something we haven't heard about since Civil War, right? Like, we yeah. don't know. They have not talked about that or touched on that for a while. So, And you know uh, who's in charge of the raft? Thunderbolt Ross. Thunderbolt Ross, yeah. Yeah, Thunderbolt Ross. And he's the leader of the uh i guess the marvel version of the suicide squad the thunderbolt so i'm sure we're gonna see him and we'll see john walker we'll see them working together because john walker eventually becomes like the captain america of the thunderbolts so yeah. yeah i mean i think they're definitely setting up for things right now the uh with all the talk of shows and movies and stuff the mcu's feeling a little like full you know how like dc announced like 30 projects before and then it all kind of died down to nothing so I don't know. I want to see things instead of like having a build up towards them. You know, like I, I want to know that these are going to be things we'll see within the next like two years. Well, we're only going to be able to see one more episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier. And that comes to a conclusion next week for season one. Could be a season two. We don't know. Maybe we'll see more of the Falcon and Winter Soldier. But episode six is coming out. And then after that, there will be a gap before june and loki and black widow so we're gonna have maybe a lot to talk about in june when it comes to the marvel cinematic universe but after this week it's going to be a little time off for the mcu what are your thoughts out there on the latest episode of the falcon and the winter soldier we want to hear your thoughts pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com well, coming up next, josh and i have still got a lot to talk about on today's program we're going to be talking lord of the rings Epic's Metaverse, and some Resident Evil coming up on the back half of the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Video game box art, the stories behind the covers, in which we talk to the illustrators and artists who are responsible for gaming's most iconic images. Don't forget to check out Video Game Box Art, the stories behind the covers, celebrating gaming's most iconic images from the people who created them. This and many more from Rob McCallum Films. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here along with my good friend, Mr. Josh Peterson. Lord of the Rings, something you and I like to talk about, but we don't get a chance to talk about it enough, in my opinion, because a lot of the Lord of the Rings happened already before we actually started with the Pop Culture Cosmos. So we always have to be speaking about it in the past tense. But maybe not for long, because the big, huge Amazon show is coming in the not-too-distant future, hopefully as early as this year. But I'm not counting on it, because it's such a huge production. And in fact, the price tag for season one almost matches what it costs to get the series rights in the first place. About $465 million is the projected budget for season one. 
So I want to hear your thoughts. Insane. That is absolutely insane. But it also makes me think that we're going to get a really good product here. Like, I can't tell you how often I wish I had 12 hours to sit down and watch all three Lord of the Rings movies in one sitting. Like, a lot. You know, and I keep hearing people say, you know, they got the vaccine or whatever, and they had to take a couple days off, and they watched all the Lord of the Rings. I'm like, wish I had the time for that. That would be cool. I'm so, trying to get my daughters, who I named after the Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. My wife says she named it. Oh, I say, well, we both say we named them after the Lord of the Rings. I'm trying to get them to sit down. Oh, that was so long. Blah, 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 blah. Well, read the books. Blah, 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 blah. blah. So in, yeah. In all modern pop culture, though, like, you know, whether it's Big Bang Theory or whatever show you're watching on TV, every sitcom, Lord of the Rings is always associated with being a nerd right like they always reference family guy does that a lot but mostly it's in in sitcoms where like it's not cool to be into lord of the rings so it's harder to get kids who weren't around for that pop culture movement to be into lord of the rings so that you know that being said i'm really hopeful that this amazon show which is actually supposed to be directly connected to the films like it's not being first age isn't it supposed to be the first age? yeah the first age but it's not like it's it's considered canon you know not that it's going to have like orlando bloom or any maybe it will i don't know but so what's cool about this is that it doesn't cancel out the movie so after you watch these these shows or this these seasons you know i think it will be a good and this might be four or five years down the, the road when hopefully they don't run the show for more than five seasons but like it'll be a good opportunity down the road for kids who are not who right now are like, Oh, I don't want to watch this to be like, Oh, maybe I do want to watch this because I'm hoping that this Lord of the Rings show becomes what game of Thrones should have been. I'm hoping to as well. And I'm hoping it will serve as a inspiration to go ahead and do so. I mean, my girls, we talked about this actually last night, as far as their willingness to try and give it a shot. And I think, with one saying maybe she'll sit down in the not too distant future with me to watch it. And the other one saying, I would rather read the book. And that's something I think I could get more out of. And I was like, okay, you do what you want. It's there when you need it. It's, it's yeah. not going away anytime soon. So, I mean, it's something that though I would still love to experience with my kids, but I, I get you when you're saying about where the show could go. I'm hoping not in Orlando Bloom. Um, please, I'm hoping. I'm not, I mean, yeah. we already, we are I'm hoping for not an Orlando Bloom guest spot on it because if we see that, that's going to be, how's the nicest thing to say about it? Because his guest spot in one of the Hobbit movies. was three movies. Yeah, it was three movies. Oh, it was all three movies. That's right. It was all three movies. I kind of yeah. like wanted to forget the Hobbit movies, even though I watched them. He looks much older. And if the idea is to play backwards in time, that's not going to help now, now that it's five years later than that. I mean, so uh, a quarter of that, like you know, what was it? Multi-million dollar budget is de-aging spent on de-aging him. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know either. I know that if it's adapting tales from the Silmarillion, like there are some stuff with Argorn in there. So it'd be interesting to see if Viggo Mortensen ever returns, but I don't know, man. Like I'm, I'm, ho- I'm very hopeful that it's, it's good. I don't need to see Viggo Mortensen or Elijah Wood or any of the characters in the other movies. I just want to see something that's good. Something that takes you back to middle earth, has the same feel, the same like soundtrack, something that transports you to another world something you can sit down for an hour at night and feel like you got the movie theater experience that lord of the rings offered i would love to see that because it it would for me it would be so inspirational again to relive and and rekindle that fire and that love for the lord of the rings the hobbits like i said i saw them 
but I've almost forgotten them because they were just so like there. So let me ask you this though. Okay, two questions regarding the Hobbit. One, did you watch the extended cuts? I have watched the extended cuts, and again, it just it they're okay. They they are what they are, but they don't capture the spirit and the magic. Uh, I know that all three of them almost got a billion dollars each. So you're talking about three billion dollars worth of movies that they that they generated, and people seem to forget how successful they were. But mm-hmm. they just it just didn't capture, it just didn't no. recapture that magic. It just did not. And yeah. I think for a lot of other people as well, it just did not do well, it. It just did not do it. That's, that's a big thing too. Like I, I think that the director cuts like, yeah, you got they're They're so long, but you know, I think the director cuts of the Hobbit do a better job than the original cuts. The original cuts were pretty bad, you know, and they just yeah. were not great, but Lord, the difference between these two, these I guess two film series, is the fact that Lord of the Rings, like, there's a lot taking place in different places in Middle Earth, right? You have stuff going on in Gondor, stuff going on in Helm's Deep and Rohan and all that, and then in The Hobbit, it, it's literally the tale just shifts from the the Hobbits to whatever the fortress of the Necromancer is. You know, like there's not a lot going on. Like Lord of the Rings did a great job of showcasing just how big Middle Earth was, just how big this fantasy world was, whereas the Hobbit felt very condensed, you know, and like it, I don't know, it didn't feel overwhelming. It just it felt like underwhelming. Like it, I was expecting more Lord of the Rings, right? That feeling. Cause even in the dark times in Lord of the Rings, you got that like soundtrack you know where you feel like you're in the shire and you know they got the the music playing and you feel really good it just was not the same experience but my second question here is when your daughters are ready to watch lord of the rings are you going to show them the hobbit first that's an excellent question i'm gonna probably say no i mean actually i'm gonna leave it up to them i'm gonna leave it up to them if they want to because i mean going in they'll already have a knowledge that they exist and if they want to we go into it I'm just not sure that by the time that they saw all three of the Hobbit films that they would yeah. still have the initiative to go ahead and check out the rest of the Lord of the Rings, which are the really good films. Right, right. That'd be funny if they ended up having like after these shows come out on Blu-ray or whatever it is at the time that they do extended cuts of each episode. Can you imagine that? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Please don't. But I will say that when I first saw the films, one of the fascinating things I said was... My gosh, I did not know such a small country or island realistically on the map had such a diverse and wide open areas and so beautiful. To me, it's like the the perfect advertising for New Zealand. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's so huge. I comparatively speaking, I mean, you see it on a world map, you know, oh, it's not not that much. And then, then you actually delve into it with the, with the Lord of Rings movies. And you're just like, it's jaw dropping to say the least. And it, it's not like it's not heavily populated, I guess it would be like it doesn't it has you wouldn't find a lot of places like that here in the U.S. You'd have a lot of like in the Midwest, you have a lot of like open prairies, but that's not very middle earthy. Like you go to any areas that have like mountains and stuff, there's cities just sprouting all over the place. You go to New Zealand and it's like there's a lot more, I guess, nature and countryside out there, which is cool. Yeah, absolutely. And I wish to revisit again. In fact, I've been itching to kind of see the movies again, the the Mm. trilogy, but I'm holding off, waiting for the girls to get that je ne sais quoi that gets like, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and and I want to watch it with you, dad, and experience what you and mom 
see in the Lord of the Rings because that's how we really bonded. My wife and I was yeah. initially over the Lord of the Rings. And I'm looking forward to seeing the Amazon series. But before we leave the conversation on Lord of the Rings, I also want to mention that also this week there was good news for Lord of the Rings because obviously with a price tag comes the fact that it's on the way for season one. But unfortunately, there was a cancellation that Amazon was involved with in regards to Lord of the Rings, the massively open world role-playing game that they were in. That unfortunately got canceled because of the, I think the Chinese developer, there was an issue with Tencent and I guess the direction of the game itself. That to me was disappointing. And I all I'm going to say is, I know there's a Hogwarts online RPG that's coming out in the not too distant future. I'm hoping that if that does well, that initiative will for a Lord of the Rings online RPG, you know, that's massively multiplayer that, you know, anybody can join in and, and have fun with and experience that, that initiative to bring that to life will come again soon. So, uh, you know, when it comes to MMORPGs, like these, these massive online things, I think the key to a successful game is making something much like with Elder Scrolls Online you can play it by yourself. Like you don't necessarily like there are harder things that you can do and you have to team up with people to do it. But if you're just in there to play and explore, like you can easily do that by yourself. You go back to games like Final Fantasy 11 was one of like the first big ones, right? And you have to actually, you can't do anything without like teaming up with people. So I think if they want to be successful, that they need to have a game where people can play and experience the world without having to engage with other people unless they want to because it's hard to really enjoy the mythology of a game especially with something with as like rich mythology as lord of the rings if you have to like rely on other people to do it and even when things are going on you're like constantly looking at the chat what is my team saying what is what am i supposed to do am i supposed to heal this person you can't really enjoy an experience like that and that would be my one concern with the lord of the rings mmorpg but didn't they also didn't they try this before there's like battle for middle earth or something like that there's been a lot of like iterations yeah. of online lord of the rings games over the years yeah there has been uh, with the online lord of the rings there there is already and i would like something where you can do both where you can get together as a crew and and go on a mythic quest with a, a bunch of your friends and a bunch of NPCs because you do have so many different races within the confines of the Lord of the Rings that makes it adaptable for this type of format. Or yeah. like you said, uh, you know, you and I could just be be a couple of orcs, put on our bad British accents, and see what we can do to <laughs> yeah, yeah <of laughs> scour course. the universe out there mm-hmm. <laughs> with our bad British accents. Uh, you know, you know, trying that and see what we can do to yeah wreak some havoc but yes uh, doing it alone or doing it as a group would be a great experience to do that in an updated setting you're right they had a lord of the rings online and still do to an extent but it's just not it, it's a dated it's like where we are with world of warcraft and so many others mmorpgs that came out in the first decade of this century that they've all seen their time come and gone so now we need new updated stories and people are always looking for what looks better, what plays better, what goes better with my experience. And I'm hopeful that they'll go ahead and revisit that at some point in time down the line. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's that's the hope, right? That we have a Lord of the Rings game that lets you experience the joys of an MMORPG with the joys of the mythology that this game comes from. And 
you know, looking at a, a studio like Tencent, like I, I don't know if they have the ability to do that. You know, and it's well, just Tencent can do anything they want. They're loaded with cash. Yeah, but I mean, just like their track history hasn't exactly like shown that they can handle something of this magnitude. You know, and I like, I think that Bethesda would be a good company for something like this, or Ubisoft even would be a good company for something like this. So I don't know. Remember, also Amazon has their I think New World MMORPG that they're going to try to debut later this year after the two unsuccessful video game terms that they've had recently. Yeah, they're not, their track record's not so great. Either. Yeah, so we'll see how that works out. But yeah, I, I look, I'm hopeful that a Lord of the Rings will be revisited in some type of video game format at some point mm-hmm. in time down cool. the line. Sure, yeah. I mean, look at, remember those, uh, what was it? The Two Towers and Return of the King were both oh, like yeah. amazing games. And they're yes. still very highly rated today. Yes. Believe me, I enjoyed the Two Towers immensely and... There's been a couple other Lord of the Rings games that I've liked over the years, but yes, I would definitely like to see Lord of the Rings being revisited in a video game format, whether it's on a massive scale or maybe even just a regular old AAA campaign as well. What are your thoughts out there on Lord of the Rings Season 1? Are you excited for its appearance on Amazon? And are you disappointed that the Lord of the Rings massive online role-playing game that was in development got canceled? Please share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. We've still got two more things to talk about on today's program. It's been a great episode so far, and I really, truly thank you for joining us. But before we head on out, Mr. Josh Peterson, two things to cover. One, a whole bunch of companies are giving a whole bunch of money to Epic. Why? in preparation for a metaverse. And what do I mean by a metaverse? It's going to be Epic Games version of a social connected network between players of, of course, their monstrous hit Fortnite, but also as well, big games like Rocket League and Fall Guys. So that's Fortnite, Rocket League, and Fall Guys coming into the mix together on a social network, creating this metaverse. And there's tons of money being put into it in fact sony has dipped in i think 200 million dollars i think there's been a billion dollars invested overall i want to hear your thoughts on this metaverse how this social connected network might work and if you think it's going to be the best thing for gamers so a question for you how much is apple given i'm not sure (laughs) i have to go check on that i know sony was the you know i'm I'm just getting apple Remember Apple? They're still being sued. Oh, that's a yeah, 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 yeah. Got me. You got me. You got me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I honestly, I've kind of baffled at this. I hadn't even heard anything about this. I think it's a good idea because you're taking some of like the biggest properties out there. It has a lot of players. I guess the big, if it's going to be a social network, I guess the big question here is like, how are parents going to feel about it? How are they going to regulate this? Because the you know the standard Fortnite player is anywhere from like what seven to thirty. So I mean. 
it's just it's a lot of a lot of difference a lot of potential for bad things to happen so i guess that would be the big question is how are they going to regulate this type of thing in 2021 exactly how are they going to regulate this but it is very intriguing and i'm kind of curious how this might work out if it's going to run smoothly i mean with a billion dollars behind it there's no question on the type of possibilities that these games can have and other ips might be joining it you know i i hear rumors maybe roblox might want to go ahead and join it i hear other rumors that other big name ips might want to join into the mix but it is a metaverse for epic games it's very interesting to see how this will go ahead and come about I think one of the last things I want to touch on when it comes to this before we hit to Resident Evil is that if this works out, this could be something that a lot of other people, or excuse me, a lot of other entities will emulate. These are not all under the same umbrella. They're not all Epic Games. Yeah. These are three different games from three different companies talking about joining together on a social network. If that's the case, could we see something similar within the Xbox, PlayStation, or Nintendo realm? Hey, anything's possible. I mean, it aren't like PlayStation Now or PlayStation Live, whatever it is, and Xbox Live and Switch Online. Aren't they kind of social networks unto themselves? Something like that. I mean, there's still pluses and minuses to it. But, I mean, like for you with Mario right there, let's say you're going into the latest Mario and being able to connect on some type of platform maybe within that game going in and i guess interacting with a zelda game or a zelda game going in and interacting with another nintendo ip a super smash brothers per se i mean yeah that's basically i think what what's going to become the metaverse for epic i think something similar where you could be like on playstation go from an uncharted to a god of war maybe mm -hmm. something like that i that to me if if this works out with epic's metaverse these other companies are probably going to follow suit. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, and it's going to be just more than just, oh, hey, bud, what's up as far as the chat is concerned? Yeah, and this could be the next big thing. You know, I think Bungie kind of start try to do that with the Halo Waypoint, right? They had boards where people could talk to each other and there's new content that went out, whether it's sound file or video file or Easter eggs for the Halo game. So, I mean, this kind of thing has been done before, just not on this scale. So it just it'd be interesting to see how these features are incorporated. What is it going to be? Are you going to have like a Facebook style messaging board or is it, you know, people going to be able to have friends and like what what is it going to look like? Is it going to be like an Instagram or Facebook type thing or is it going to be something completely different? Are you going to be interacting with it? Are you going to say, let's say you're going from a mission in Fortnite and time runs out and your game's over on that, but you can walk into a game of Rocket League? and join that up from the same interface? Or could you go into a game of Fall Guys from that same interface? So let's find out and see what's going to go on with that because I'm very curious why all these companies are going to invest a billion dollars into us. Whatever pitch Epic Games has had, it's really worked. Yeah. What are your thoughts out there on Epic's Metaverse, a social connected network possibility between three of the major games for gamers out there and what are your thoughts about possibilities for other type of metaverses in the video game universe share us your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com well my friend again it's been a great episode i cannot thank you enough for always being a part of it we truly appreciate it but before we head on out resident evil was kind of evil this past week because 
Resident Evil Village got an update with some new demo walkthroughs and that we saw that looks really good. I know they're adding a, guess what, a multiplayer component, which, what? yeah, I know they're adding a multiplayer component, which I, I don't know, that's always been hit or miss. And for a lot of people, it's been miss in regards to that. But I, I think they want to go ahead and continue the lifespan of this game beyond release. And the first six months of release, they want to go ahead and expand something. So they're hoping that a multiplayer will connect with an audience. And then also Resident Evil the upcoming series for Netflix that's coming out here, I believe in July for infinite darkness. So that got a new trailer right around that time, because, you know, they always have to go ahead and have these announcement settings. Now it can't be done during E3. God forbid that should ever happen. My gosh, you know, but I want to hear your thoughts and you know, my thoughts on that, but I want to hear your thoughts on the outlook for resident evil village and this whole resident evil IP I'm not as big on it as other people are. I think it's not as big as it thinks it is anymore. I think it's a nice IP. I don't think it's a top-of-the-line IP. But then again, if Resident Evil Village is a hit, that could change the whole perception of just how good the Resident Evil IP can be. Yeah, it's possible. I also think that it could suffer from something that like Final Fantasy suffers from, right? Is that there's so many numbered entries that the idea of getting involved in in something at like the eighth entry just seems like an exercise in exhaustion. Yeah, I mean, it it could be everything people want it to be in more, or it could be something that attracts the older fans and something that doesn't really pull a lot of newer fans in. I know like I jumped in at Resident Evil 2, you know, but that was only like the second one that came out anything's possible at this point as for the multiplayer aspect of the game like they tried that you know we talk about this all the time with mass effect right like it was something like it wasn't fun it wasn't awful it was just it was there and with uh resident evil i don't see that being any different you know it's a third person game and it's you know you're they're probably going to make ammo really hard to come by and you know unless it's anything like left for dead's multiplayer i i don't see it being highly successful I don't see it being highly successful either, but I see the game Resident Evil Village, if and when it gets released on time, could be a big hit for them because the fact that there's been such a dearth of video game releases so far this year, as we talked about because of coronavirus and all the other accentuating circumstances in regards to the video game industry at this point in time, a lot of things are getting delayed. So if something comes out this year, it could take advantage of that dearth of video game releases so if resident evil village does come out as scheduled it it could be a big hit a bigger hit than maybe it would have been in other years so i'm looking forward to it man i'm looking forward to it do you think resident evil village from what you've seen so far as far as the campaign or the demo is concerned is is something that you want to go ahead and, and at least invest some time into definitely looks like a great game Resident Evil games, like, you know, especially with this switch to first person, like they, it's it's practically reinvented the series. So it's definitely something that I will play. But again, like it's such an old franchise that I'm not sure how many people it's going to be bringing to it from, say, the generation who didn't grow up with the first few Resident Evil entries. Oh, we'll see what happens with that. But before we go ahead and head on out, there was also a trailer for the animated series that's coming up in July, Resident Evil Infinite Darkness, and more talk about what's coming up later this year for a live action series coming to Netflix for Resident Evil. So Netflix is buying all in. They're all in on the Resident Evil IP. You think that's a good move? 
basically the reason why I'm saying that is because Resident Evil for so many years was was a staple of Sony and the movies came out year after year after year after year and it kind of got burnt on them and we were glad they were finally over but do you think now's a good time to rekindle this type of interest in Resident Evil once again on a television format with Netflix? Yeah, well I mean the series of films is over so why not? You know, why not? reinvent it why not come out with something different as far as like a streaming format type of thing like yeah i I can totally see it bringing new fans to the fold so why not i don't know how i feel about it there's been enough time now between the movies that i might go ahead and take a look at the series it all depends on how well the animated series i think for me is if i like what i see there i could get into a, a live action series down the road later this year so we'll wait and see how that is Resident Evil Village, it looks really good. Resident Evil Village with the high-res graphics on a PlayStation 5 or Xbox Series X, I highly recommend when it comes out, you may be playing those versions because the detail from what I've seen so far has been really nice. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, what are your thoughts out there on all the stuff that's coming up for Resident Evil? Resident Evil Village, Resident Evil Infinite Darkness, Resident Evil Live Action Series. We want to hear your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com well mr josh culture cosmos it's been a great episode my friend and as always so thankful that you've been part of it for friday's show we've got marcus de la garza for the pcc multiverse i know we're going to be having our final 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 oscar previews because oscars will be coming out this time next week and then also we're going to be talking about mortal Kombat, which will not be an oscar contender but <laughs> I, I'm I'm hopeful for Mortal Kombat at this point. But are you? Well, tell me your thoughts. I mean, what are you looking forward to with Mortal Kombat? Looking at the trailers, like it looks like it is something that could be okay. You know, I'm not expecting it to be just fantastic and blow me away. I'm not expecting it to be truly awful either. I'm just I'm expecting it to be a good popcorn flick, much like Kong vs Godzilla, and I think that that's what it's on its way to be. Something that I won't feel like I've wasted my time with. I know you also got a chance to catch up with the Justice League and you wanted to go ahead and talk about that. No, you didn't get a chance on last week's show, but any thoughts on that before we head on out? It was long, yes, but I, I feel like the extra scenes kind of made the film better. There's no way his his vision could have been told in movie theaters. So, I mean, luckily, I think it's better that it had to wait until the streaming services, like these epic streaming shows, became a thing before it came out. So I honestly like... Yeah, the Joss Whedon cut was awful, and it sounds like he did a lot of terrible things to people, but it sounds like this is was the right time for Snyder's vision to come out. Now, the ball is in DC's court. You know, there's a lot going on. There's a lot that people are wanting for. I've seen the, the uh, hashtag for finish the Snyderverse and Deathstroke and all that stuff. So the ball is in their court, and I think that if they veer away from the Snyder cut or the Snyder universe, they're going to have a lot of angry fans, and we're going to see... As a result of that, we'll see box office numbers drop significantly. I'm just still hopeful that when we were with the Whedon cut, again, the only thing that I really liked from it was the romance between Batman and Wonder Woman. I thought that was really good, but that wasn't shown at all or showcased at all, really, in in the Snyder cut. And then the mention, which was removed in the Snyder cut, of the possibility of a Justice League versus Hall of Villains and that was something I know at the time you and I were really excited for the possibility of that happening or the possibility of seeing that on screen. 
I'm hoping they'll revisit that idea because I think that's one that's going to carry a lot more weight than just a traditional Thanos wannabe in Darkseid. Yeah, yeah. Darkseid is very menacing. So, I mean, there's definitely some potential there for him to be a big bad. The DC Universe has no direction, so I don't see why not just start where it is now with where the Snyderverse left it. Again, I would love to see a Hall of Villains. Everybody getting all yeah. the villains versus that climactic. Mm -hmm. Something like we see in Endgame, except for all the villains that we know from the DC Universe against all the heroes from yeah. the DC Universe. That, to me, would be much more compelling to see another big baddie like Darkseid trying to take over the universe, something to do with going to Earth and something's hidden within the Earth. and mm -hmm. A lot of things we saw already that Marvel beat them to the punch on and going down that road once again. Yeah, I agree. It'd be it'd be cool to see that happen. You know, right now it sounds unlikely, but anything's possible. Anything is possible, indeed. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. This is another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great. We're the Con Guys, as in Comic-Con, and this is the Con Guys Show, coming at you straight from the heart of Hollywood, California, with the news, celebrity interviews, and fun-loving opinions to help fuel your passions. We are your ultimate insiders, filmmakers, writers, actors, costumers, gamers, panelists, but most of all, we are fans. And whether it's sci-fi, collectibles, comic books, gaming, animation cosplay or fan conventions if you love it we cover it your behind the scenes look at all things con you're listening to a weeby geeks network podcast this has been a broadcast of the eso network be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our eso patreon or by shopping for the t public store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.